We are so excited to have Jerry Taylor with us. Uh, Jerry has been influential in spearheading and organizing summits all over the country that are designed to promote education and conversations on issues of race, but with an end goal of greater genuine unity in the body of Christ. Uh, he's the author of, a, of Courageous Compassion, a prophetic homiletic in service to the church. It's a collection of sermons. He was educated at Southwestern Christian College. He has a Master's of Divinity and a Doctor of Ministry as well. It's from Southern Methodist University. Um, and he is a professor at Abilene Christian University. He has been for many years. In addition to that, uh, he is the founding executive director of the Carl Spain Center on Race Studies and Spiritual Action. He and his wife, Patricia, have two children, Alicia and Jeremiah. We are so glad that Jerry is with us today. Be ready to have your hearts and your thinking challenged today as the Holy Spirit speaks through Jerry. Jerry, come on up. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to let you let it rip this morning. So thanks for being with us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for Jerry. We're so thankful for his ministry, for the way you have used him uh, to influence so many lives. Thank you for... Uh, all the people um, who have poured into Jerry, Lord, who have taught him, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that lives in him and preaches through him, we pray that you will give him a powerful word this morning and that we will have ears to listen and hearts and minds to be responsive. Through Jesus we pray and all that agree, say together, amen. Let's welcome Jerry Taylor this morning. I wish I had the words to express my sincere appreciation for Matt Elliott, who has been a dear friend to me for many years. As we spent some time together in Atlanta, getting to be placed in each other's orbit. It has truly been a blessing to my life. I was also especially enthusiastic to receive the invitation to come and to be with you on today and the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. We bring you greetings from Abilene, where the people don't treat you mean, <laughs> but it is hot. And I know that uh, some of my friends are envious of the fact that I'm up here in all this cool, nice weather. And uh, I, I am grateful to uh, be with you on today. Uh, the passage from which we will preach has already been read to you, so I will not uh, read that again. I will just uh, delve off into our message for today. As we look over the American landscape, many have morally fainted due to the squeezing pressures of life. Their mental lungs have collapsed 
due to mental pneumonia. We see the socially sick sleeping on sidewalks of despair in America's major cities. Their lifeless bodies stagger about like dead men with no vital signs of vitality. Death covers their faces like a Halloween mask. They have no light in their eyes. Their hearts have been crushed by shattered dreams. The drumbeat of life is no longer heard in the studio of their hearts. Death has silenced and stilled all activities of life for them. Ezekiel witnesses the same face of death in Israel. In Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14, Ezekiel describes Israel as lying in the ruins of open graves. The chronic sickness of political corruption and the terminal illness of moral decay were the twin diseases that led to Israel's death. God used the stinging whips of Babylonian oppression to tear the flesh from the obstinate backs of a rebellious people. All that the maggots left for the prophet to see were piles and piles of dead, dry bones. Bones. Bones that once embodied a soul and housed a spirit now served no purpose. Bones. Bones that once were mobile now lay lifeless on the valley floor without movement. Dead bones. Without awareness and without cognition. Dead bones. Without significance and without purpose. Dead bones. Without form, without order, without structure, and without organization. How did the prophet wind up in a valley filled with twisted, shattered, and broken dry bones? The prophet says he did not give himself this assignment, but was led by the Spirit. It was the Spirit that placed him in the valley of death. Ezekiel says, he brought me out by the Spirit and set me in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. The Holy Spirit is the creative agent that moves God's servants into the locations specifically designed for them by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that moved Ezekiel into the valley of dry bones is the same Spirit that moved on the face of the waters in the creation story. The same spirit that moved Ezekiel is the same spirit that transformed an earth that was without form and void into a beautiful terrestrial ball. The same spirit that led the prophet to his place of ministry in the valley is the same spirit that descended in the form of a dove and landed upon Jesus at his baptism. The same spirit that anointed Ezekiel for the assignment before him is the same spirit that prepared Jesus for his public ministry. 
as he led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil forty days and forty nights. It was this same spirit that appeared in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost in the upper room and gave testifying power to apostolic tongues that once were paralyzed by fear. Ezekiel's story reminds us that the Spirit's main agenda is not our creature comforts. God does not always place his servants in castles of comfort. Sometimes he assigns his servants to stand in cold, creepy cemeteries in the most isolated and deserted regions in the valley of the shadow of death. In John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus describes how the Spirit moves. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is it with everyone born of the Spirit. When the Lord's hand is upon you, you move where the Spirit moves you, no matter the location, the condition, or the cost. The Spirit assigned Ezekiel to the lowest part of the valley, among the driest of bones. Ezekiel said, I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. The bones Ezekiel described as being very dry indicated that Israel had deteriorated beyond a state of repair. Ezekiel says, there was neither flesh on the bones nor marrow in the bones. Brittle bones littered the valley floor like broken tree limbs after a devastating storm. The dry bones told nothing about the deceased people's race, class, heritage, privilege, pedigree, education, wealth, or their successful accomplishments. The skeletal remains of prominent people that once breathed the sophisticated air of the upper class now lay beside the skeletal remains of poor peasants in the valley of dry bones. After breath departed from their bodies, the flesh rotted from their bones. Life cannot be sustained in the physical body without breath despite how wealthy one may be. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we are told the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. It wasn't until God breathed that Adam became alive. Adam had form, he had bone structure, he had skeletal organization, but without God's breath, Adam had no life. Without God's breath, Adam had eyes, but he could not see. He had ears, but he could not hear. Without God's breath, Adam had a brain, but he could not think. He had a mouth, but he could not talk. Without God's breath, Adam had hands, 
but he could not grasp, touch, or feel. He had legs, but he could not walk or run. Adam had all the form and structure of a human being, but he did not have life until he received the breath of God. Ezekiel's story reminds us that we can have form that does not have function. We can have a pattern of worship that has no power to change lives. It is in the middle of the valley of dry bones that God asked Ezekiel a question. The Lord asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? We as churches of Christ must ask this question as well. According to an article entitled The Cold Blue Church of Christ 2018 report, shows accelerated membership decline, reports that 2,000 people a month departed from Churches of Christ over the last three years, and over nine congregations closed their doors each and every month on average for the last three years. Can these bones live? Ezekiel says to the Lord, Lord, you alone know Lord, you know the condition and you know the cure. Ezekiel says in verses 4 through 6, Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make my breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel did as the Lord commanded. He says in verses 7 and 8, And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Ezekiel heard some noise. He saw something coming into form, becoming organized and developed. However, despite all the organization he saw taking place, the breath of God was still missing. Structure without the breath of God is nothing more than organization without inspiration. Reorganization without the breath of God is nothing more than restoration without transformation. Reconstruction without the breath of God is nothing more than revision without divine vision. Just because we hear the rattling noise of reorganization, the rattling noise of restructure, the rattling noise of reformation, it does not mean that the breath of God is present. We may hear the rattling noise in the religions of today, but that does not mean that the breath of God is in them. We may hear the rattling noise of academic success in our schools, colleges, and universities, but that does not mean that the breath of God is in them. We may hear the rattling noise of successful careers, but that does not mean that the breath of God is in them. 
We may hear the rattling noise of political victories, but that does not mean that the breath of God is in those victories. Ezekiel says in verses 9 and 10, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath into them. They came to life and stood on their feet as a vast army. It is not our intelligence. It is not our grit. It is not our self-reliance. It is not our passion that can resurrect broken lives and resurrect broken systems and the valley of dry bones. It will be God's Spirit breathing within us that will resuscitate us, resuscitate people, and bring things back to life again. We must rely on the breathing Holy Spirit that resides within us. Despite enemies taunting us, God's Spirit is within us. Despite the obstacles before us, God's Spirit is within us. There may be failures behind us, clouds of anxiety above us, negative circumstances surrounding us. Nevertheless, God's Spirit is breathing within us. There may be fierce opposition against us, worldly privileges withheld from us, friends who turn on us, relatives that walk away from us, but nevertheless, God's Spirit is breathing within us. Fellowship may be denied us, discouragement heaped upon us, disappointment residing around us, but nevertheless, God's Spirit is breathing within us. The Spirit of God breathing within us says that our future is more promising than our past. The breathing Spirit says our yesterday may be stained with tragedy, but our tomorrow is filled with triumph. The past is stained with defeat, dryness, and death, but the future is sealed with the victory of everlasting life. The past is marred with crucifixions, but the future is sealed with resurrections and divine resuscitations. Let us breathe out what God has breathed into us. Let us stop holding our breath and breathe. Stop waiting to exhale before we end up in, help me somebody. In other words, don't hold your breath. Breathe out what God is breathing into you and make sure that when you breathe, it is not your breath that you're breathing because any breath that is not God's breath is bad breath. And we want to make sure that we breathe out the breath that God has breathed into us. We need to relax and breathe in and hold it for 10 seconds and then breathe out. We need to do breathing exercises every day. And you don't need an oxygen tank to do this kind of breathing. You are on the right life support system 
when you engage in this kind of breathing. Because this kind of breathing depends upon God's ability to continue to pour life into you so that you will have life to pour into those around you. Breathe out what God has breathed into you. Don't be afraid to give what God has allowed you to receive. Some of us right now allow our worries to cause us to experience a shortness of breath. But we need to remember that we serve a God who holds the whole universe in the palm of his hand. And he's telling us to cast our cares upon him and breathe, breathe out what God has breathed into you. If you have cantankerous and contrary people working with you on your job as co-workers, you need to go to work tomorrow and when they began to act up and began to do things that you know contradict your principles as a Christian, you need to tell them you are about to breathe all over them. Now don't tell them it's your breath that you're breathing. Help me somebody. But you're going to release the power of God's presence that he has unleashed in your being, in your workspace. You have in you the divine life-giving presence of the living being, Christ, that will empower you to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Breathe, breathe, breathe. Any breath that you breathe, make sure that it is the breath of God. Don't quench the spirit. Breathe now. Let the spirit of Christ rise among us. Let us breathe now. Breathe all over Colorado Springs. And I know that if you go up top Pikes Peak, it may be a little hard to breathe there. It's been a little hard for me to breathe since I've been up here. Help me, somebody. But that ain't the kind of breath that I'm talking about. Breathe the spiritual breath of God. Our nation today needs the breath of God, the breath blowing, the fresh breathing breath of God needs to cover our land from sea to shining sea. We need to go to Washington and just breathe all over Washington. We need to go to the Congress and the White House and the Senate and just breathe all over Washington. We need to go to the state capitol and breathe there. Let the breath of God fill the earth because we know that God has the wisdom to teach us how to be loving and kind and generous human beings that are pro-life in every sense of the word. Those who love the one who declares that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that I came not only that they may have life, but they may have it more abundantly. So as I leave you today, I want you to remember that your task as we get ready to leave the assembly today to make sure you find somebody that's looking tired 
and worn out, looking as if they have lost their hope, and you find that individual and let the words that flow out of your mouth be the fresh breath of God that can feed the spiritual being of that person. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And if we speak to one another, we must allow those words to be spoken as the very oracles of God. And the only way that we can do that is that we have to find time to go into that sacred inner region of our being and sit quietly in the presence of the Almighty and to know that God is God and that no matter how negative, no matter how ugly the world may become, we are still plugged into the life support system that can enable us and empower us to give life in our homes, to give life in our churches, to give life in our communities, to give life to our schools, to give life to our nation, and to give life to the world. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. That is a divine mission that Jesus has given to us, and we will know that we live faithfully to that calling. One day, we will shake off this flesh and will be given a new body. We will be given a new home, a retirement home, one that is in a gated community, a gate to the north, a gate to the south, a gate to the east, and a gate to the west. That retirement home will be located in a city called the New Jerusalem, where God is the mayor, Jesus the mayor pro tem, the Holy Spirit is the city manager, and the 12 apostles sit on the city council. And in that city, there will be no potholes in the street. In that city, there will be no doctors there. I love doctors, help me somebody. But one day there will be no need for doctors. There will be no need for morticians. There will be no need for weather forecasters because in that city, there will be no rain because every day will be sunshine and every day will be a day of worship. And I'm looking forward to making that home my retirement home because it is there that we shall be forever in the presence of the creator of the universe, the sustainer of life. May God bless us as we continue to breathe out what God has breathed in. And I'm going to get off this stage, turn it back over to Brother Matt before I go to preaching again. <laughs> Amen. Brother Matt. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.